how she get it. Made a couple racks, I never asked how she get it. City girls gotta have fun in the city. City girls gotta have fun in the city. City girls gotta have fun in the city. City girls gotta have fun. Welcome to episode two of Connect with Christina. I'm extra extra excited to have our guest today especially after last episode episode one um this doctor does a lot of great work in our community please help me welcome dr chris ray with southwest wellness group thank you for having me let's dive right into this because i'm excited about the the topic we have only because i know that we'll be able to reach a lot of people and really help them out so so um i'm dr christopher ray I am originally from Houston, Texas, and I've been here for almost 18 years now. So our company, Southwest Wellness Group, is a wellness clinic that focuses on uh, addiction, pain management, and the overall wellness of patients. How did you get started in this field? Well, interesting, I'm an anesthesiologist by trade. So uh, Wow. <laughs> I, uh, I've been doing bread and butter, uh, standard anesthesia for years and years, but as you probably know, if you went to the hospital or anybody you know that went to the hospital for a procedure, your anesthesiologist generally is your acute pain doctor as well. It means they would do the block for your uh, orthopedic procedure. We manage your pain uh, for surgery. And so uh, anesthesia and pain are kind of uh, very interchangeable in terms of uh, the treatments that are provided. So uh, I did anesthesia for many years, and then I left actually the field of medicine for a short period of time to do IT. And wow. <laughs> I, I built a, what we call Overachiever. I know, a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, I've built what they call an electronic medical record. And so uh, after completing that project, I came back into anesthesia, but then I went into mental health. Mental health, uh, essentially, for two reasons. One, for pain management, and one, because our community had a, a, a big need for the treatment of depression, uh, as well as um, the detoxing, as well as the reduction of medications that people were taking for opioids. And in this process, I, uh, it began to flourish, grow, and I branched out and started doing more things, including pain management. And so it's, uh, it's been a great opportunity. I love every day of work that I, uh, I'm, a, I'm blessed to go to. And uh, what I do now is essentially a blend of anesthesia, pain management, and addiction. Wow, that's a that's a lot. I'm just glad that you put emphasis on this area too, just because a lot of people really do need this help. Can you elaborate a little bit more on the addiction side? Absolutely. So, as as we know, um, let's just deal with two things uh, for a moment. Let's let's deal with alcohol and opioids. Um, when coronavirus essentially happened, it caused an explosion in the sale of alcohol. Um, and alcohol sales went up about 60 to 70 percent. Um, the number of opioid addictions uh, as well as opioid overdoses skyrocketed almost 20 percent. The number of overdose overdoses uh, went up in 20, 2020 uh, as well as it began to go up in 2019. So instead of going the right direction, it went the wrong direction. And Those are staggering numbers. The numbers are absolutely staggering, um, as well as not only the, because remember, we only recognize the people who sought help or the family called for help. So anyone That's true. Who, um, That's true. You don't had, even think about that. Who had a hidden event or um, some other family member rescued them without 
calling 911. That's never reported. So the numbers are much higher than what we believe. And I, I felt a sense of, of importance, a sense of that was calling me the, uh, from the community as well as um, uh, with related to my family, as well as a sense of responsibility that each provider has to uh, reverse what we have seen happen over the last 10 years. And that's this explosion in addiction. And I think that the onus is on all of, of the medical community to help reverse this problem. And so the way I do it is by helping people detox from medications, uh, as well as helping people with depression and helping people through addiction. You know, I do it through outpatient fashion. There's two types of outpatient, invasive outpatient and non-invasive, which is more of a um, what we call medication-assisted treatment. So I use various medications to help patients not only get off, but stay off these, uh, these addictive medicines that, uh, that will change not only their family, it will change the relationship with their kids. It can sure. destroy their everything. jobs. Everything. And so uh, what we're doing is restoring the community when you save even one person from That's this addiction. That's so true. And so um, once you see this sense and feel this sense of wanting to change and empower families and empower people, because you never know what got a person to that position. That's that correct. In. And it's not my position to judge, but I want to understand so that I can help them as well as help somebody that I see that's in that same position. And um, people don't even understand that there's a gene associated with addiction. And they may not know that they had that gene until they had a particular surgery procedure or injury wow. that triggers it. And, um, and then all of a sudden they'll realize I have a problem. I didn't know that. So it's important that, um, that people understand and become educated to what is happening to them why it's happening and then as i see a patient a family member i teach them that this is not about just the patient it's about the family and the support system and everything that is going to allow them to reestablish themselves back in the community and become you know uh, the person that they really wanted to be the person they see themselves well and i think that's the key for me is that i think we have a social responsibility to do our part you know and the guest that I had last week on the episode one, um, he was a heroin addict and served time, you know, was really lost in a dark place. And then fast forward to now, he's a very successful, you know, mortgage broker. So with the right help and the right treatment, the right support and learning about people like yourself, you know, doctors like yourself, that there's hope for these people. Absolutely. And that is a, a success story that we hope to hear more and more often. And um, I think that, you know, with a gentleman from uh, last week, what I'm so glad that he was brave enough and courageous enough to share that story because there are so many people who are just looking for someone who could tell their story, who could say, you know what, today is the last day, you know, and they're going to have a breakthrough. And they're going to reach out to family. They're going to reach out to us. And they don't have to reach out to us. They can reach out to any location that treats addiction. Sure. And we just want them to be better. We just want to ensure that they can protect in their lives. And right. But what we find is that there's only two options if they don't. There's going to, they're going to be dead or they're going to be in jail. And so we want to help them to prevent them from going down that, that path. 
And when those two things happen, they lose everything else in their lives, you know, their finances, their family, their kids, their relationships, their jobs. And so, and so we, we, have, we try to get them to understand this cascading event that, that begins to occur. And as you, you probably notice and, and you've talked from talking to people, it is so frustrating for the families, and they have given yes. so much. Sometimes um, they have financed their recoveries, and unfortunately, they're in so much pain. They love these people. Absolutely, they know? would they would give anything for them, and and unfortunately, the nature of opioids and alcohol causes people to relapse much at a much higher rate than anything else, and so um, people will have sacrificed everything, and they relapse, and the patient relapses. I think this situation or this, you know, issue here, um, and I know it happens in every state, but it's so real. And, you know, for anyone that's going to be watching this episode, if we could help one person, it would be just... It would have made the difference. Yeah. And you brought up relapse. That's like one of the things that I I wanted to ask you. How You said it's often. It's over 50%. And so, so you can imagine... Um, if you if you take four people, you know, um, more, almost three of them will relapse. So, wow. So that so the numbers is very very high, and so we have to. Uh, that's why it's so important not to just simply detox a patient off of medicine, but to change their behaviors, their mindset, their uh, attitudes. That's why um, <coughs> psychological and um, and their psychosocial changes that begin to occur within their family themselves their community all those things have to change because i can't you can't just switch cars and still think hey everything's going to be different sometimes you have to switch your route that you you would drive to work um the clothes that you wear the contacts in your phone everything has to kind of change and you begin even the people you're around you have to understand what are your triggers what stresses you and causes you to make bad decisions and these are important things that counselors begin to uh, dive into your to your life and help you understand these things. And and people like myself provide the medication that helps bridge you off of things that destroy your life onto uh, medicines that will keep you stable and then onto 100% sobriety. And because that's the goal. Our, always, our goal is a 100% sobriety and let them recapture the life that they want and they want for themselves and their family. And I would love for you to kind of go over that, you know, that area of practice that you have, because, again, I think that this will really help a lot of people. But I wanted to touch on the fact that there is a lot of, like, parents or especially parents, because out of that love, I mean, it, this topic is so charged because it's these are people you love. It's someone's dad, someone's brother, you know? And I think, like, the hard part, too, is, like, they don't mean to enable, but out of love, they think they're doing the right thing, but they're not. And then the, you find tough love. It's Absolutely. hard. Absolutely. You see, you see a, a combination of different things. Uh, you've probably seen parents who enable them um, through love, and they allow their child to do the things that they wanted to do because they may have been a single parent, and they don't, it's a lot they don't of understand components. the dynamics of, of the relationship. There could be so many different things. And and then you see the, the other extreme where it is an ultimatum. You know, you're going you're gonna to do this or this is going to happen. But sometimes they don't understand that addiction is a disease, you know, like anything else. And, and you can't always rationalize with the person at that time because they're not in the frame of mind 
to think and rationalize with. You're not always talking to the person that you knew two, three years ago. That's uh, at true. That frame, at that time, that person uh, kind of lives and serves for that drug or that thing that they need. They plan their life around it, their finances, what they're going to take, what they're going to steal, all based on that addiction. Right. And understanding them and understanding their addiction will help you to better assist and help them instead of judge them and get angry with them. I think it's interesting too, just like you said, just to educate as many people as we can that there's really a lot of different, you know, things to consider. So for a person that's going through this right now and they want to sign up with you and explore their options with you, like what does that look like? Okay. So if if someone, um, if you're even considering it, um, I always just say first step, just reach out and call. Now, we, there is there is no charge to talk to you to tell you what your options are because what we want to do first is think of a we think of a person almost like uh, I don't mean to undermine it but think of them like a car. We need to ping them. We need to figure out where are you in the United States? Are you uh, in Texas? Are you in Oregon? Are you in Florida? Not not just physically where are you. But from an addiction standpoint, where are you? How much Makes do you sense. use per day? You know, how how is this affecting your life, of your finances? Are do they are they using IV drugs, pills? You know, what is, what are they doing? Are they have a, a weekend cocaine habit? Are they a binge drinker? So when we understand where they are, then we begin to understand if they need inpatient treatment, or could they do outpatient treatment? Some patients. Said based on where we understand you you're at at this moment, and how many times you've previously relapsed, you need inpatient treatment. And um, I don't want to provide or charge you for another failed outpatient treatment. That's what you need. And so it's that uh, it's that honesty with compassion that says this is what you need. I can tell you care. Yeah. You that yeah. you scream that. So I yeah. I am excited that you're here. For sure. And then, and then secondly, after we figure out where, which one they, they qualify for, we have a, a group of companies out there in the Valley that we will refer to if they are an inpatient or an intensive outpatient uh, type of patient. They, they need IOP, or that's intensive outpatient, or they need inpatient. If they need either of those two, we refer the patient uh, to the facility that can provide that. If they are a candidate for medication-assisted treatment, that means that this patient is abusing a drug, but the amount they're abusing is low enough that we can manage them as an outpatient. We can get some corrective behaviors around them, um, and we can provide therapy or drug that will get them off of what they're currently using. Then we will we call that onboarding. We will onboard the patient, okay. and then we'll get them off that medication, off that drug that they're on. And we will help detox them or whatever they need. Uh, and then while doing that, we also provide the uh, we refer them or provide the counseling for that they need through this process. Okay. So um, then at that point, we continue the patient on the medicine until they, we wean them off or they choose uh, a different alternative. For example, um, um, there's medicine called Vivitrol. And so let's just say uh, we got a patient off of, off of an opioid and now we give them a shot. And that shot goes into a deep muscle. Generally, we put it in the buttocks uh, and it goes once every 28 to 30 days, mm-hmm. and it lasts once a month, 
and every month they get that shot, and it prevents them if they try to drink alcohol. Yeah, they what happens? Get the buzz from it. They won't because alcohol also affects a receptor in the brain called a mu receptor. So they won't get the same buzz or feeling, but they'll feel sick from it. Okay. So that's no, it's no good. They're not going to want it. Yeah, it's no good. And if they were using an opioid like uh, heroin, cocaine, uh, Percocets, or anything of that nature, they will not, the medicine won't be blocked. So it's the same thing as if the person had Narcan. And so uh, we can provide a 30 day dose of Narcan. And if they decided they wanted a longer dosing of it, um, the reason I brought up Vivitrol, I would offer the FDA, uh, um, FDA approved treatment is Vivitrol, which is the injection. Okay. The non-FDA approved, but uh, we know that it's a very effective method, is we would implant the patient with a naltrexone. Vivitrol is naltrexone. Wow. And we have also naltrexone implants that we can put in the patient. And that will last for almost six months, four to six months. And so generally it'll last closer to six months, but it depends on the patient's individual metabolism. And so, uh, so now if you can imagine a patient... Um, uh, I'll always say I'd never want to demean anybody, but think of it sure. like an, an elephant that was at a circus. And initially when they got that elephant and they put a chain on its leg, it pulled at that chain because it knew and it thought it could break the chain. But eventually it, the chain mentally broke the elephant. And now they can take the elephant to the circus and put a little tiny rope on it. That's, and it will look and notice something is around its foot. That's true. Our ankle, and it will not pull. And you've probably seen that. I know right. you know, kids now don't see, we don't have circuses anymore. But uh, the same effect can happen with the brain when being implanted or having long-term sobriety. You begin to believe that there's no point. What's the point of me trying That's this such a good medication? Way to explain What's the that? point of me trying that? It's not going to work. I've been implanted. So that's the only reason I do encourage because uh, the medicine that we do inject can wear off, and they know exactly when it wears off. I and see. So that they okay. Could, if they really, really wanted to. So like you said, it's base, case to case. Case to case. What they need after Absolutely. you evaluate them. Absolutely. Is that invasive, the chip? Uh, no, it's not. It's a, It's really small. Well, I would say a scalpel's used. So, yes, it's a little. Uh, okay. <laughs> we do take them to the surgery center, and then we do make a very, very small half half inch incision maybe maybe two centimeters and then it's placed right in the um the subcutaneous fat of the abdomen they they probably can't feel it 90 percent of the time but okay. some patients with super super thin they can actually they can feel it so it's like a, a a vitamin pill how long is that procedure uh the procedure is 10 minutes 10 minutes yeah so 10 minutes for for four to six months of sobriety i think's a pretty good deal right how so does it like if immediately work yeah so as soon as it's placed within the body it begins to dissolve and but we know it's going to continue to be uh, absorbed by the body for uh, up for almost a substantial months. time and so that's that that is what they need to maintain that complete sobriety 100 percent sobriety and and then at that time they also begin to start working on their behavioral changes begin to understand what their triggers are, and they're able to, um, I, that's how I personally feel, and other doctors feel this way as a way, uh, as well, is that when they're able to maintain long-term sobriety, we get them one year, a year and a half, and you increase the risk, I mean, you, you increase the patient's ability to stay sober and decrease their risk for, um, for them to relapse. Relapse. So. 
Do you notice or have you noticed any type of psychological or emotional change when you when you do the when you implant the medication? Uh, not necessarily. The, the the hardest part is giving it to someone who actually wants it. So a lot of times people um, we have to ensure that the reason you sought treatment is because you want to be better and not because That's your husband's going to divorce you, your wife's going to leave you, your family, because you're not ready. You're not going to be committed. I, I, you're not going to be committed. And you probably don't want something that's going to block you when you know you want to, you know, go to the <clears throat> summer's coming up. I'm not going to be able to have, you know, enjoy drinks, wine, touch and touch. But you, instead of having a mindset of, I never want to touch alcohol again. Right. And so... Uh, it's that's that's a hard thing for for a person who who have, you have to understand they have a relationship with this drug. It's different, right? And and the way they interact with it is different than the rest of society. That's just a powerful thing to say. Yeah. That's so true. And we are so we all oh, kind of yeah. live our lives. We're busy, Absolutely. and I don't think that that's something that we think of. Yep. Absolutely. And then when we when you begin to understand it, you you quit kind of judging and being so frustrated and then understand this is who I'm dealing with. This is this is the person. This is their disease as if it was hypertension, diabetes, and understand how their disease is affected now. Each person can be affected a little different, but it's still a disease. So I, you know, the first thing that I want to point out I think is so helpful is I can tell how genuine you are, but and also that you don't judge, right? So you're looking at the person and really want to help do you try to explain to, like, say, the a spouse or a family member that's trying to be to help or that this person will be around? Is there things that you tell them, hey, watch out for this or make sure you support in this way? Okay. So generally what we want to do is involve a psychologist or psychiatrist or a, a licensed uh, Arizona licensed counselor uh, for addiction that gets involved with the patient while we treat the medical and we treat the actual um, uh, patient with medication to get them off, and we want the psychologist, psychiatrist, or the counselor to focus more on the family interact interactics, the dynamics, as well as uh, helping them understand what their, their triggers are. And we, we let them handle that side of it. From an initial standpoint, we do like to, we like for everyone to get involved so that everyone knows this is the treatment we're starting. You know, not, not everyone, but generally the most important people. The, In their the parents, lives. The spouse. Yeah. And so they understand that we're starting this treatment. This is what it's going to, this is what we anticipate. This is what we expect, what's going to be different. And the patients understand when I see you tomorrow, we're going to do a drug screen tomorrow. When I see you day after that, we're going to do a drug screen the day after that. And so sometimes they, even though they do have this disease, they don't want to disappoint. Uh, sure. They're spouse. They know they're going to come see me, and, and and they will try to adhere to what they're supposed to be doing. And they're very honest when they'll walk through the door. Yeah, I had a I had a problem. So, and and how long have you been um, able to do this side of your practice? Okay. So for uh, the last two years, I've had a, a medication assisted treatment license (MAT) license, and it gives doctors and all across and mid levels all across the country something called X waiver. Well, we can prescribe, um, we, we get a license, an extra license by the DEA to prescribe drugs that can keep patients off of opioids. 
and uh, and alcohol. And so that I've had that for two years now. Um, and the reason, I, as, as I said, but I went into that is because I was doing kind of mental health in terms of treating depression uh, and also detoxing patients off of high dose of opioids down to a low dose of opioids. And uh, I was doing that through a, a, what we call a ketamine clinic. And so that was a, a wow. rapid treatment for treatment-resistant depression of patients who were suicidal. And they were, they were actually better within a week versus um, you know, taking months and months and months to improve. That, you know, that's like a whole different podcast because it I sure care is. a lot about that. And I think, but that's, that's you know, it was order. happening before Absolutely. the pandemic, but it just like escalated. And Absolutely. now, you know, but um, I'm really interested to hear about like maybe uh, one of your success stories. Yes. So uh, without getting too, into too many details, we, uh, we had a patient that came in and the patient uh, worked in the financial industry, does very well. Uh, and they knew and understood that they had a problem, you know, um, and they were able to just be honest enough about this is where I'm at. I want to get better, and this is what I want. Um, we were able to start on board, start the patient on a medicine that would, um, would, would take away those, those desires for that medicine, uh, for those opioids. And what was so interesting is that we, our staff was so loving, so committed, you know, call, talk to the patient literally almost every day. Um, and um, the patient knew that there was a, a connection, knew that, that we, we were there for them, for, for them, for whatever their needs were uh, in terms of medical, how we could help them. And um, the patient just onboarded amazingly, did well, was able to come off of those medications. And then not only that I swap one dangerous drug for a prescription drug, the next thing I did was say, I'm going to take away now this prescription drug. And so then we do what we call a taper, and we slowly remove that one until they get down to zero. And now they have 100% sobriety in their life, and they their life is back on track. That's amazing. And, uh, and this... This is, a, a, you know, this gentleman it did phenomenal, and I wish he could just tell the world his story. But uh, that's just one. You know. That's amazing. Yeah. And how did he find you, um, that particular person, or she? Generally, we, we create relationships with other centers in the Valley. And some centers may be specially designed for intensive outpatient, or they may be designed for inpatient. So they call an inpatient facility, and they said, no, this one will be better for you okay. uh, because you seem to be able to, you probably could do an outpatient. And so we, we get a referrals from them as we send referrals uh, their way. And so it's kind of like a, a, a loose partnership with all of the uh, addiction centers within the city. For me, I mentioned earlier, I was a landlord for many years, 18 yes. years. And when you run apartments, you have criterias. Right, so you have to say make three times the amount of rent. You have to have good credit. How do you get credit? Um, and then you can't have a background. So when people get out of jail or prison, rather, where are they gonna go? We don't want them to go right back to where they already had the issues, but we don't have a, a you know a plan to say, look. You can apply, a, you know, at this community that's a nice place to start over, you know. 
um, sure you can get a job here because it's like that's the truth though it's happening so it was an opportunity for me back then to say okay I can't help you here I don't own the place I just manage it I have to follow the rules but here are some resources so I started building a community of um, different community or I'm sorry employers that would help me employ a person right off of coming out love it so you know um i've even done this thing where if they're coming on 18 months and they need a letter i've you know been blessed to have people that want to work with me on helping other people and say yes when he comes out he's going to have a job here and that ex you know so i think that again as a society other than being kind to people and not judging people i think that um all the things that you shared today it's just important you know and i as i wish i i'm hoping that we circulate this um, episode to help as many people as possible absolutely because the, the first step is to just reach out and um you know if you gotta a lot of times people have an addiction in privacy and they, they can secrecy and they no one really knows that they have this issue or they do know but no one's saying anything and they got to reach out to someone you know if it's someone in the family someone they trust and if you got to have your best friend, you know, hold your hand and walk through the door, you know, arm in arm, walk through the door and help bring you in. And, and then there's help for you. And or just call to see what are your options are. If you know that this is the type of insurance I have or I don't have insurance and see what options. The call is free. Yeah. Right. That, that part. Um, Doc, I really want to go back to um uh, the gene being a factor in this because you just taught me something I, I didn't know. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that has come about in just technology is for us to do pharmacogenetics and pharmacodynamics. So we can understand if a patient has the potential or is uh, going to be addicted to a particular drug or there's a high probability. And it can even tell us which drugs that the patient would be addicted to. And so a lot of people can't afford this. These things are covered by insurance sometimes, but sometimes they are not. The tests are under $1,000. Um, but if you, th if you think about what it has cost some family, regardless of what they've lost, I think it's a, a small cost to pay to find out, hey, do I have the potential to be addicted to alcohol, Percocet, um, or any particular type of medication, fentanyl, um, even though... Each of us will respond uh, the same to fentanyl if we're undergoing surgery. Certain people will have the, the propensity to want to have more of it after the fact. And if they could tell their provider these are things that um, um, I have a potential to have addiction to, it will be avoided. You know? And this is something you can facilitate? Uh, if the patient asks for it. Okay. Yeah. But if someone comes in and they uh, have an addiction and they're on that particular medication, I don't necessarily test, test them to see and verify. I just want now to save their life and get them off of that medicine. So I'll, so I'll just work on that. If someone wanted to know because they had a family member that has a very serious problem, do I have a gene for that? They could find out. Okay. And when people tell you, hey, I don't want to drink, I have this, we need to respect that. Um, so absolutely. Um, and one of the things we, we do see, remember the... Sales went up 70%. The 
alcohol consumption and abuse, you know, DUIs, everything else went up after that. Uh, and we need to understand that alcohol is a drug as well. And while many people um, can, you know, drink responsibly and, and have a nice drink, if someone declines, let's, let's please try to respect that. There may be larger factors that they're not telling you about for why they decline. Right. So we need uh, to respect it and be. Absolutely. I can tell you my wife, so we were at the well, bar and she said uh, she declined. And the bartender says, you never decline, you're pregnant. And so we didn't tell him. <laughs> but he was the first person to know. Oh, my gosh. Simply because we ate at the bar and she declined the martini. Uh, so, um, that, uh, yeah, so for everyone has their reasons, and I think it's important for us to just respect the people's wishes. And before we end the show, um, for those people that are going through this or have loved ones that are going through this, what would your message be to them? If they were seeking help or you're seeking or you want to find out for a loved one, the, the hardest part is we can tell you what is available, but it's always best if the patient calls. Um, because if the we need to know if the patient's ready, are they open to it. But once the patient calls and we get an understanding, because generally they're going to be, unfortunately, they're going to be more honest with us than they are with their family. They're going to say how much they really use, how bad it really is for them. We'll, we'll be able to tell them what is the best resource for them. Even though they may not have insurance, still call, and we can uh, tell you how to get plugged in because there are locations that will help you with the immediate application okay. uh, and help the family and, and get onto Medicaid, or, um, uh, and they'll have a, what they call a Medicaid pending and be able to get into a center. So just because they don't have uh, insurance at the moment does not mean that, that they are completely Will you let everyone know how to get a hold of you if you have anything coming up? And again, more importantly, how to get a hold of you guys. Absolutely. So they can always call our clinic at 480-478-0790 or visit our website at azwellnessgroup.com. Sounds good. Thank you, Doc, for being here again with Connect with Christina. Thanks for having a nice afternoon with us, a.k.a. The Clout God. The concept of less institute is less exposure, less invasive, less blood loss, and everything is just less, even your recovery. So for more information, please go to thelessinstitute.com. And shouting out handcrafted earrings by Mel in New York. See these? They're amazing. DM me for more information. Thanks for being with us today. I think you have to cut that out, but that's good.